0: to the Damascus Road podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. So we're going to be talking about 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 22, and we will be speaking about doing what is right. In the face of hostility, Um, so there is a couple of things that I, I would think uh, in this matter, and I would ask like, what kind of hostility would people face if they decided to follow Jesus? So that's one of the main questions in my mind: was what kind of hostility we can face in 2022 for following Jesus? Are we willing to do the right things while facing? This kind of hostility, whatever that means, what are the real day-to-day life implications of doing the right things in hard times, and how far are we willing to follow, uh, how far are we willing to go to follow Jesus in the first place? So I'm just want to start um, talking about my children. Uh, so I drove. From Mexico, from Hermosillo to Tucson uh, on Friday, and it's it's probably most of you have heard that uh, when children are in the car and you're driving, especially if you're a parent, but if you have like cousins or or a niece or a nephew, you know that they'll start asking uh, the regular question when you're driving: Are we yet there? <laughs> are we there yet? Right. So that's one of the questions that I. Uh, my kids will always ask when we're driving especially if we're driving more than four hours from Hermosillo uh, But it's funny because my kids the, the, I have four four children um, So my oldest daughter's name is Tsuki. She's 12 and then Azul Who, who is in the, uh, she's with the kids right now and then David? He's seven and he's also here with the kids and then my, my youngest one Uh, Sedeq, he was born like two weeks before the pandemic made everything shut down in Mexico. So he's two years old. Uh, And my wife's name is Carla. Uh, They would love to be here, but their their visas expired in March, so they couldn't make it. So when we were driving, and if you think about my kids, David and Azul, they were very, very different. And uh, so David would like to go and explore and new, uh, kind of meet new places and stuff. But Asul she really loves to be home. Uh, she has a the next her, her next door friend. She's a very good friend of her, And she really loves to be with her. And she loves to be in her place, like in her room, in her house. Um, so um, they will both ask, are we there yet? But because of their perspective, they ask in different times. David would ask, that when we are driving from home, but Azul will ask that when we are going back home. So she want to get home, back home, right? Being in the car for several hours can be boring, unexciting, tiresome, but the kids can can now deal with that because they know for sure that we are actually getting somewhere. That helps them to say, okay, well, I'll wait patiently, right? David wants to know new places, or just go back to those fun places he has visited before, but Azul will endure being in the car easily when she knows we're going back home. Being in the car can be very uncomfortable, but they know we will get there eventually. So I'm trying to be very intentional in making my home an enjoyable, safe, refreshing place. Uh, I have a couple of cousins, uh, and they were studying, They were, they. were left their home when they went to college. But uh, it's probably the only two college students that I know in Mexico that, that they really want to go back home every uh, holiday or, or every free day that they have. Most of the college students, they don't want to hang around with their parents. They want to hang out with their friends. But my cousins like to go back home. And, and I, I just talk to my uncle and say, what do you do? to So your kids wanted to be home and say, well, I, I didn't. I enjoy being with them. We played a lot. We went out. We come together. We hike together. So just play with the, with your kids. Be present. Play with them. Be with them. Pray with them. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do in my home because I want my home to be their their safe place to go back, even in the future. Um, so Peter, in this letter, and I I don't I'm not talking a lot about about Peter himself, because I know that Tyler did a very good job introducing the letter. But he has spoken about submitting to our authorities. So in the last part that you studied last week, there was something about authority and submitting to the authorities. And he has especially addressed slaves, wives, and husbands. Um, So... He said they all all should submit to their authorities in the same way. Um, And finally, he gave us some directions on how we should live with one another according to what God has called us to live as well. So Peter starts this new section in verse 13 by uh, using the word now, or some translations would use the word and or likewise, right? So it's a connection word trying to say, this is totally connected to what I just said to you, right? So he's talking about submitting to authorities, and he say, "Now, verse 13, he says, "Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good?" So there is a verse in Proverbs 16:7 that I'm going to read pretty quick here. So Proverbs 16 verse seven. Says when the way of people please the Lord, he makes even their enemies live at peace with them. So this is this is what we normally think. Like if you are uh, living in, in a God honor, even your enemies have anything to do to you, right? So that's the logical thing we will think that's logical, right? But if you read the verse verse 14, uh, you'll you'll see that. Uh, things not always develop in logical ways, right? So he said, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But in verse verse 14, he said, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. So it seems like the Christian people were facing threats from other people by living the way Jesus wanted them to live. But Peter said, don't be afraid, because God will reward you if you do the right stuff. So maybe you will suffer a little bit, but you will be rewarded in the future. So there's also in another passage that I will read in Matthew. So Matthew 13, verses, verses 44 through 46 It says, again, the kingdom of heavens is like a pearl merchant. Oh, sorry, 44. The kingdom of heavens is like uh, a treasure that a man discovered hidden in in, in a field. In his excitement, he did it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, He sold everything he owned and bought it. I love these two short stories because it it let us know that uh, the kingdom of God, having a relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus, it's worth more than everything you can have in this world. It's worth it. So you can lose anything, like your job, if you have or not a degree, if you have a, a family or not, if you lose a loved one, Anything like any other thing in this world is not comparable to having a relationship with Jesus so Peter is talking about being rewarded even if you suffer for doing what is right so in verse 15 he said instead instead this means like instead of worrying or be afraid you must worship Christ as Lord of your life um, so worship should be our style of life. This is the way we should be living, worshiping Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lord of your life. I grew up in a, in a Christian church where the only thing that mattered for them was um, where you're going to spend eternity. And that, that, I think that's important, but it's not the only thing, right? So Jesus is not only my Savior who will give me a ticket to have a safe future when I died. He's also the Lord of my life right here and right now. So this is the way we should be living. And I I remember, and probably you remember too, Tyler spoke when when he spoke. He said that our identity in Christ should be above all other identities. So I'm a Mexican. I'm a husband. I'm a parent. I'm a son. I'm many other things. But my main identity is a a child of God. This is my main identity. Jesus Christ is my main identity. So nothing in the world could be more important than that. And that's the reason we can face hostility or suffering in a different way that most people does in our world. So we should live our lives out of that main identity in Christ. And you worship Christ as you surrender every single aspect of your life. So what are you holding on to? What are you not surrendering to Christ? Is your relationships? Is your wallet? Is, your, is a fear? Your sexuality? Your schedule? What are we holding back from God that we're not surrendering to Him? And we all struggle with something more than other things. So we should ask that question seriously and surrender that to Christ. So if we are taking our identity from God, we are living out from of who we are, Christianity is not about doing stuff or certain things or rituals, but being that's the the key word here being children of the only God, so it's being before doing right in matthew seven20 it says just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So if you have a, an apple tree, you'll get apples. So the apple tree won't become an apple tree because it gave apple. It will give apples because it is an apple tree. So it's being something that bears some kind of fruit. And in the same verse uh, in Peter, it says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain explain it. So if we start living, worshiping Christ, people will start wondering things. You will preach through your actions by your fruit. You will be living out of Jesus and people will see what kind of, of tree you are. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you are connected to the vine, that's the kind of fruit you will bear, right? So if you live like that, you will provoke curiosity in other people. They will start wondering, why are you guys doing this? Like, like I've seen testimonies like somebody killed someone, uh, and then the family goes to the prison or to the court and say, well, you know something? We want to forgive you. Even you took our son's life, we will forgive you. That's not normal. And people start wondering, well, are you people crazy or what? Well, kind of, you know? Because we're doing things that most people won't do. And, and we can do things with the help of the Holy Spirit that we normally wouldn't be able to do by ourselves either. So we Christians ask to be seen as hopers, people who hope, who are impatient and terribly dissatisfied with cor- current status of the world. Like my children in the car, they're impatiently waiting to get to where we're driving, right? I mentioned this in the, at the beginning. And uh, they're very dissatisfied of being seated in the car because it's terribly boring, right? Are we, yet, are we there yet? This should be our attitude in the world. Are we there with God in his fulfilled kingdom yet? In 1 Peter 1, 1.3 that Tyler shared a, a few weeks ago, he read uh, from, from Peter, he, he said, We have been born again, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance that is debt in heaven beyond the reach of change and decay. So it's like buying when you buy a cheap uh, article, something cheap, and that won't last much versus buying something of the best quality that will be more expensive and maybe harder to get, but will last way longer, right? So it is worth the effort. So I used to have a, a coffee grinder that has like little plants on it, which were not like the best way of grind coffee. And, and then a, a few uh, time later, it just broke. So I decided to get a new grinder which was more expensive, but I know it will make a better job at grinding coffee, grounded coffee, and it will probably last more. So we should live in a way that make people start wondering. In Titus 2, 12 and 13, it says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Well, we look forward with hope. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. So hope again. And the word hope in the Bible does not communicate uncertainty as in I hope that something will take place. I hope that my team will win the championship or I hope that they will get here on time or something like that. So it's not uncertainty as if I hope something to happen. But instead, a certainty that something will indeed happen. Right? So like my children in the car. Again, I'm still using that analogy. They know for sure we're going to get home eventually. Especially Azul will be very glad about it. Like she has been having a great time here in Tucson. But she will be very happy as soon as we get in the car and say, well, we're heading back home. I want to be there, right? In Romans 8, I'm going to read a, a longer passage now from Romans eight, eighteen through 25. And here Paul says this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So we suffer now is nothing compared what we get later. So it's like the guy who sold everything to get this field and get the treasure, right? So everything I have is nothing compared to what I'm going to get when I get this field with the treasure, right? Put it on the scale. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. This, this uh, we are his children. That's our identity. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. If you don't know what uh, the pains of childbirth is, you can talk to Megan. She went through that recently. We have four children, so my wife, my wife can tell you about that as well. Verse 23 in Romans 8, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rise as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So if you see, this is not an a isolated subject in the Bible. Hoping, being children of God, this is what Jesus was about. We were giving this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently, and confidently. So in verse 23 that I just read, it says, we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. I love coffee, and I like coffee tasting. Some of you might like wine tasting better. I I stick with the coffee. When I first smell coffee in a coffee shop, I get very excited. But then when I taste the coffee... And then I get a package of that coffee to to my place. I know for sure what am I going to find in my my cup of coffee. I don't need to wonder. I don't need to be worried about it. If I know what coffee I tasted and I really liked it, I will not be disappointed when I'm drinking my coffee, right? And that's something that Paul also said in Romans 5.5. Check what he said. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. So it's like a foretaste of what we are getting, the Holy Spirit. It's like tasting a coffee. And you know what you'll get later in your espresso, right? So that is again our identity because we know how dearly God loves us. So that, w- that will make us worship Christ, if we understand this. That means that we live in a way that people will start wondering, and they will start asking questions about why we live how we live. In the book, I Once Was Lost, the author said that Jesus would do simple things to intentionally stir people toward curiosity. Jesus knew that the crowds expected of him and he often did the opposite. They wanted him to stay, and he went on to other towns. They wanted, they wanted him to bash, bash Rome, and he suggested they pay taxes, right? He did the most unexpected things. He even overcome his enemies by dying on a cross. Who does that? So what can we do if, if we are following Jesus, if we want to know how to live while facing hostility, there's three things that I will encourage you to do. The first one is encourage questions in other people. It seems Jesus used questions not to elicit information from people, but rather to steer within them some thought or emotion. In the Bible, in the Gospels, Jesus, ask, Jesus is asked 183 questions. He only answered directly three of them. But he asked 307 questions back to the people. So somebody said that Jesus uh, doesn't doesn't have Q&A sessions, but he has Q&Q sessions. And some people would say that Jesus is not the answer, but Jesus is the question. So we should learn from that and start encouraging questions. There's some questions in the New Testament that you will find from Jesus like, what do you want me to do for you? He was asking this to a paralytic guy, desperately living, trying to be healed. Then he asked, how do you read the law? And he was asking this to the law experts in his times. Then to the woman who was caught in adultery, he asked, where is everyone? Has no one condemned you? And then he will ask, who do people say I am? Even though he already knew that. And finally, what are you looking for? And they were looking for him, but he wanted them to look again in their own desires. So the second thing that we can use, what, what we uh, the, the second thing we can do is use parables. Jesus often told simple yet haunting stories to those around him. These parables were stories or images that stuck inside the minds of the hearers, like fish hooks. Once talking to someone, these seemingly innocent stories haunted them. They begged for their inquiry, for their thoughts, for their questions. So we should share parables to share about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And the third one that I really like, this one, is live curiously. Jesus just did things all the time that were countercultural and ca- caused those around him to pause and stare at him and start asking questions. This is how we are to live. We might provoke curiosity by the way we interact with others more intimately. We live in a very superficial society. So when you get intimate with somebody and you wanna open your heart and hear what they have in their hearts, this, that's something that doesn't happen very often. So doing simple things to intentional, intentionally steer them toward curiosity especially by doing what is right in the face of hostility. People don't expect that from us, to do the right thing while facing hostility. In 1 Peter 3, verse 16, it says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. So we can, we, I, I've seen very conservative Christians sharing the truth in a very unrespectful and not gentle way. But we are called to do that in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Belonging to Christ, again, is our identity. Verse 17, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. I will encourage you to memorize that verse. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. So I'm going to share the story about Ricardo Valero, a Mexican ambassador in Argentina a couple years ago and he went into this bookstore and he tried to stole a book and put it inside his newspaper, but they caught it, they caught him. And um, so later, the Mexican government said, oh, this guy had some mental problems. That might be true or that might be the government trying to you know, cover up like they normally do, right? So what an ambassador is supposed to be doing Representing another nation, right? So he was representing Mexico while stealing books in a bookstore, and I think he has a very good Income I guess right so he doesn't need to steal a book so he might had some mental issues. I don't know But we as ambassadors we need to represent God's kingdom on earth. That's our our job so generally in the world we are Normally avoiding especially in the Western world we are avoiding pain we get Tylenol or advil or something stronger as soon as we have a headache right in some Eastern cultures at least before globalism they try to leave their pain instead of avoiding it it's a very a huge difference in avoiding pain and leaving your pain right we don 't pain. People out there would think, if I'm going to suffer anyway, let's make it worth, let at least get as much fun as possible, right? If I'm going to suffer anyway, I'll just go crazy and wild. But we as exiles and ambassadors of our royal and real home country, God's kingdom, we need to understand what we just read in verse 17. It is better to suffer for doing good than suffer for doing wrong. It is best for us and our priceless inheritance and is the best for the sake of the kingdom of God. So if we go to verse 18, it says that Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So we don't run away from suffering because Christ himself suffered for our sins. He's the best example of somebody suffering for, for doing good to bring us safely home to God. Are we yet there? We're gonna going to be safely home to God. So we know this works according to verse uh, 19 through 21 because of Jesus' resurrection. I love this idea that that's what makes Christianity totally different from any other beliefs in the world, that Jesus Christ resurrected and came back from death, right? We know that our relationship with Jesus is a life-giving relationship because he is the life. He didn't state death, We have been brought to life and are alive to the life of the kingdom. Now, verse 22, Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. And I like this verse because Peter has been talking about authorities and how we all should submit to our own authorities. But then Peter is saying, and every authority is subjected or submitted to Jesus. He is the top. He is the Lord. He is the King. We'll know He let us know that, um, Well, He let us know now that Jesus' authority is above all the other authorities. So may, so I'm just gonna finish this morning, um, asking again the questions I asked at the beginning. What kind of hostility we can face in 2022 for following Jesus? Are you willing to do the right things while facing this kind of hostility? What are the real day-to-day life implications for that? How far are you willing to go to follow Jesus? How are you planning on provoking curiosity from now on? What kind of specific and expected things are you willing to do for Jesus? May you abide in Jesus and live like he did on this earth. May you all provoke curiosity by living in love in the middle of hostility. And may others start wondering and start asking questions and meet Jesus, the real Jesus, because of you. Dear Jesus, we love you. And we are very thankful for you giving your life and dying on the cross for us. We want to worship you in every aspect of our lives and sometimes it's it's pretty hard. There's some things we don't struggle that much, but there's other things that we are still struggling with. So we ask you for your help because we really want to worship you. Please help us to live in a way that we can do the right things even while facing hard times or hostility from the world around us. And so many people can see you through the way we live. We worship you, and we thank you, and we love you, God. Amen. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at DamascusRoadTucson.com.